1: We will get to our next guest because he's the coach of the Gold Coast Suns. Been a big week up on the Gold Coast this week. His name is Stewie Dew. Uh Dewey, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it.
2: No, no worries. Good morning.
3: Dewey. Tony
1: Cochran is gone. We've we've sort of sung his praises this morning. He's one of my more favourite football people to deal with, Dewey Just the impact that he's had firstly and, and the hole that he will leave.
2: Oh I mean it's been been huge obviously my journey um it's been good this week just reflecting on on not only our journey together but uh, you know Tony's with the footy club and it's a little bit like you know when you when you're looking at a house no one talks about who's lived in it they talk about who built it and hmm. and Tony's obviously a big part of that for the footy club
1: and Do you feel like he's been one of your great allies? I mean, we've we've touched on that this morning and he's always been really strong and and defensive of your attributes and has has backed you in. Do you you feel like you'll miss that a little bit? I don't know much about the new Um, president-elect.
2: I certainly feel like he has been. I mean, um, you don't get to where I have um, and the club commit to the sort of stability and, and build that we needed to get to this position with a strong foundation without... Tony's buying. Um, obviously, if he didn't believe, then there'd be changes. That's 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 pretty obvious. So, But Bob, obviously, has been on the journey the whole time as well and, and he's aligned with that. So, you know, and Tony, as he said, he's not going to be far away. So he's, he's still going to be a supporter of the Suns and um, we'll we'll miss him in, in the boardroom, but we'll certainly still see him at the games or as the players said, they'll still hear him.
3: Joey, so been excited about the build over the last two to three years. You've gone from five to seven to ten wins and really threatened to be a, a, a top-8 team last year, you get Ben King back this year. Just tell us what that does from a coaching point of view, from a from a magnet's point of view, when you're in a match committee and looking at your line-up to have him back. and I think everyone forgets that he kicked, he kicked close to 50 goals in 2021. What, what's that done for you and your planning?
2: Yeah, well, it's given us some good headaches because obviously with with Marbio coming in and, and even Levi, you know, like... Levi's had a fantastic pre-season again and, and looks fit and sharp and a little bit leaner and so more durable. So it's going to give us some options, but and particularly, you know, we play SNN in a couple of weeks, and it'd be good to have a look at how, how that works, you know, what's the best combination. Um, obviously, with rotations on the bench, at different times, you you can play three tools because when one's in the ruck and your ruck's on the bench, you, you only really end up with, with two on the ground at once. So. Lots of options. Um, the main thing is I think has had such a good year physically and mentally to prepare himself for, for what's to come, not only this year but beyond. And, you know, I, I think he will say he's a, he's a better prepared player now than, than what he was 12 months ago. So,
3: so what have you seen through this this period specifically that, that gives you that, that view?
2: I think he's just learned he, – well, <laughs> for instance – he hadn't missed any footy. Um, he's just learned how to prepare better. I think the mental side of things, he's learned that he can train to another level You know, quite often. As we all know, you know, I can, I can think back to one running session where I realized you can actually empty out, but you can still find a little bit more for a little bit longer and then go again. Um, and I think sometimes it takes a little bit of adversity for some guys to find that and you know, some of the challenges that, that Alex Rigby, our, our high performance manager, gave him throughout that time to keep him fresh and motivated, but also to push him, I think, has, has helped him learn how to train. You know, because it's not just how many times you lead for the ball. It's, you know, do you get in the off-legs room and, and absolutely flog yourself to recover and, and, and push yourself to be better? And, and Ben's learnt that.
3: When you take one pick in the, in the national draft, pretty, albeit pick six, it was a very, very high pick last year, you're basically telling the football world that this is the list. We're comfortable with the guys we have uh, on the, the roster at the moment. Is this the year and, and, and why will it be the year, Stewie, if we can have a bit of uh, early view? on I, mean, I know it's only the second week of February and we've got a lot of football to go before the season, season even starts, but why would this year be the year to make finals?
2: Uh, well, I think we're ready. We're certainly ready for that, um, and I felt we were ready last year, to be honest. And you know, I think we we lost three games under under ten points that were in our control that that cost us a berth in the final. So, look, we we feel we're we're confident, and we're going to every game that we can. We can beat any opposition. So that's a starting point, and it's not false. <laughs> Early on in your time, you you're trying to convince, and you're living on a bit of hope. But we, we felt genuinely that we we belonged. Um, at the point end of the season so obviously we get another opportunity we we fell short last year um, but I think that the group is really stable, um, the club's stable and I think that can't underestimate what that feel gives to the players, that there's belief within the organisation and from staff to players but also players to staff and you know I, I guess my relationship with the leadership group's really strong and um, we have such good honesty about where the groups at. and I, I just feel that they're ready to to play in the big league and, and they're ready to, to test themselves. And I think we've got a great start to the season, you know, the first grand finalists in the first three rounds. So I mean, there's no end into the season.
1: A lot of discussion about your salary cap and, and their problems that weren't created by you. But now we see Raoul and, and Anderson commit to the footy club. Is that solved? And has it been a frustration of yours that you've seen some pretty good players walk out the door through no fault of your own?
2: Um, well, I don't. I don't think it's ever solved because it's 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 just uh, it's always a, mo- a moving part, and it depends on on where you are. But what I will say is that Craig Cameron um, solved it as much as humanly possible in the time frame. Um, and have we been aggressive? Yes, but we've had to um, because we wanted to make sure. And, and like, King, you talked about, you know, taking one pick in the draft. we, we do think that this is the core group. So we're now obviously tinkering with the list. Um, that doesn't mean there's not, not development to do. The responsibility is on us to, to maximise the potential of this group. So I think it's exciting. But, you know, I think in terms of what we've done with the cap, you know, we, we've made decisions based on the interest of the footy club. And, and some of those have been hard decisions because some people that have gone have um, been really good people. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we've had to try and retain who we needed to retain. Um, but for once, certainly in my time, we've retained people at the right level and and trying to pay um, on performance as opposed to what might come.
1: Mm. So that fascinates me because, you know, historically you've had to overpay. You know, probably those third, fourth year players that have enormous potential, high draft picks, but haven't haven't produced the performance to match the salary so how do you go about that because someone back in Victoria or South Australia if you're Isaac Rankin will offer them more than they're worth from what they've produced on field you've got to be prepared to let them go I guess
2: yeah and and, and at different moments we have let some people go um, and and some we've put up a fight for and others we haven't and and you know that there's different stories for each but I think what what is really important is now the, I guess the players that have stayed and, and why and at what level is due to the fact of not because of any conversations, it's the way they feel the club's going and they can see that we're heading towards some tender success. Now, how far that is, we don't put a ceiling on it, but mm. they certainly believe, they look around the locker room and say, gee, we could, we, if we commit here together, we could have something special and, and the rewards will come over a longer period of time as opposed to the sugar hit in your third and fourth year or fifth year. Um where, um, you know, and also they want to make it really clear that they're not getting underpaid either. Um, and that's that's important. And, and their life's not any different to what level they're at. So I think it's a, a mature take from a group of players who are committed to each other.
3: What about your own philosophy, Stewie? We see what Geelong did last year. And it's, I think, a significant shift in the game. We're going to talk about this later on in, in the morning. I think what Chris Scott has, has challenged the the competition, not just those at the very, very top of the table uh, who are fortunate enough at the moment to be in, in, you know, find themselves in a top four and prelim final opportunities. But a club like yourself, does it, does it challenge your philosophies on the way you've wanted to play the last two to three years to what you need to play in 2023, that high offensive, um, attractive brand of football that maybe takes a risk on conceding some more scores?
2: yeah and we we probably as a coaching group saw this um eighteen months ago and in terms of where we needed to get to and and a small part is also you know, yes, you need to stop goals, but you one of the biggest pressures that I guess some people don't realize is the scoreboard pressure, and I think our ability and also coaching to your group's ability, and I think we're trying to match our group where they're at, not asking them to do things they can't do and now, last year we we got we were, I think we were fourth or fifth inside fifties. We just lacked efficiency, um, and that was on the back of being prepared to wear a few heavier um, score lines against. But but we also gave ourselves an opportunity to score, and I think last year we scored more freely than we ever had. Without um, as you mentioned before, Kingy who'd kick forty odd goals. Um, can we get better at it? Yes, but um, we certainly released the shackles in terms of that, and and willing to wear a couple of goals to get some. Um, whereas, I guess, previously, and certainly early days in, in my tenure, sometimes you're fighting with, with one hand behind your back. So, you know, you can um, go a little bit defensive, but I think our lads needed to, and obviously the system they're in previously, was heavily offence, so I tried to balance that out. And I feel like we're trying to get some good balance in our game and um, pre is a great time to work on it.
1: Where are you going to play Jack LaCosia's?
2: <laughs> Everyone asks this. Yeah. I think um we're gonna give him a run as as in the forward line and and up on the wing. Um, you know, last year he, he had a terrible pre season, he had injury, uh he sort of limped into the season a bit and then picked up that PCL really early on and we tried to work through that and and then he had the Sydney game where I think he landed on that particular knee in the wrong wrong angle about four or five times. So um, we're looking forward to him. He's had a, a fantastic pre-season. He's super smart. Um, he's done a pair of work on his kicking, you know, which, I think, which I think was needed. Um, but we're looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's such a mobile player. Um, we're excited by what he can bring.
3: I know we've got to let you go, but I just want to give – if you can, just give us a quick overview of your pre-season and, and if, if there's been a standout or two that uh, you really think staking some claims for an opportunity early.
2: Um, well, overview is you know our, our lads are super <laughs> i don't know everyone' super fit, so we've been allowed to do um a lot of football um but again a, again alignment through the footy club in terms of our not only our list build but also our physical profile build and heavy running component a couple of years ago, and then you know slowly we've turned that into to gameplay um now we're obviously in a holding pattern, I really feel. It's funny, the players are ready to play now. Um, So we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. We had a camp last week. But some guys who have stepped up, and a lot of it's based on maturity, another year in the system. Sam Flanders, I feel, looks more... Like he's got more composure with the ball. And, you know, some players, when they come in, they look a little bit rushed, and then slowly they start to look more comfortable. And Rowley's had a good pre-season. You know, he he hasn't really had a pre-season. It's been uninterrupted. And so he's had a great pre-season. So... Look forward to him playing um, a different, a different energy in a different level this year. Um, Noah Anderson's just, oh, he's a he's a freak. Um, he's mature. He's a leader. Uh, he drives standards. And Toot Miller has just got better. Um, so I think you know we we're all good. We're undefeated. That's what uh, <laughs> at the moment. So I think, as everyone says, but it, it is a great time of year for guys to physically and mentally get in great shape and. And you see that development and then we're all sort of just waiting that's waiting for the test. You know, we're mm. we're hungry for that test and we want to see where we sit.
1: Dewey, thanks so much for your time. You're always Ripper. generous with us on what has been a big week for the footy club. Good luck, mate, and hopefully we can speak to you throughout the year.
2: Absolutely. all
3: no right. Go well, mate. Gold
1: Coast are going to take on Essendon in their first practice game. That's Thursday, the 23rd of Feb. Then they're going to play the Giants on March the 4th. They'll open up their season in round one, March the 18th, versus Sydney at Metricon. Stewie Ooh. Jew, our guest, it's Fireball Friday. Joining us now, though, on what has been an extremely crazy week of American sports in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, which happens Monday, our time, is the host of their flagship program, that is Centre. Um Let's get to John Anderson now. John, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. How's everybody down there? Oh, we're good. I don't know where to start with you. I might start with LeBron James if I can, (laughs) because during the week he broke an unbelievable record. Kareem Abdul-Dabar's scoring title in the NBA went down. Um, What's the reaction been like since?
0: Well, people are... I find that people with records that are that old uh, get generationally defensive in what's happening. Um, so there are a lot of folks that will point out that LeBron got to shoot a three-pointer and Kareem didn't. Uh, I would point out that I don't know that Kareem would have taken a three-pointer beyond, you know, four in his entire career had he had the line. Uh, I just think what's amazing is as great as LeBron James is, people people tend to focus here on his longevity and his all-around game because he is not a great Scoring, as he's pointed out many times, is not his biggest thing. He's only won one scoring title, where Michael Jordan had, I believe, nine or ten. Wilt Chamberlain had six or seven. Kareem at least had a couple. Um, so I think people they're they're hailing the accomplishment, but they're really kind of pointing out in a wider circle that the guy is going to finish up in the top three in assists all time. He's in the top ten in steals, and that he's just really is this all-around great player who happens to you know, score 26 points a night and manage to get to 30-plus to thousand points in the all-time scoring record. So uh, he's not short on accolades, but I think it's, it's, it's brought about a lot of people who, for the scoring being the main thing, have brought that out to discuss what a great all-around player he has been for the 20 years that he's been in the league
1: heard someone say, might have been Bill Simmons during the week, that no athlete has lived up to the hype as well as LeBron. Like from the age of 15, 16, front page of Sports Illustrated, you know, the Chosen One, all of that. And he's actually delivered on that hype. Would you agree with that?
0: I think it's amazing. Not only has he done it, um, uh, delivered against those kind of expectations and, and I would think largely exceeded, uh the other thing I find amazing about him that's not talked about a ton but should be is you never see a misstep from the guy. He's mm-hmm. never the guy that, "Oh, I accidentally carried a gun through the airport." Oh, I'm a guy that caused the ruckus <laughs> at a nightclub in Vegas. He is, you know, he 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 has largely uh, the people the one criticism people would have about him would be, well, he didn't handle the decision well when he went from Cleveland to Miami. And maybe that wasn't the best way to do it, but he still in that was raised like $6 million for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America to help underserved youth. And that's as close as he's had, the nearest he's had to a whiff of controversy. So in addition to delivering all these promises, this is a kid who came into the league at 18, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who are we at 18? Why do you think they invite, invented the lanyard around your neck so that you wouldn't lose your keys in college when you're 18? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy has managed to go through with that kind of money and that kind of fame and that kind of expectation, delivered professionally, but has avoided all so it would appear all the pitfalls that have taken out so many other athletes over the over the countless decades.
1: Well said. Just before my co-host David King asked you about the Super Bowl, just just one on on the NBA trade deadline which has just come to a close and massive story with Kevin Durant being traded from
0: Brooklyn to Phoenix. Uh, tell us about that. Well, first off, my son and I because uh, we live very close, he was home from ho- uh, on holiday from from University and we managed to go down and watch the Milwaukee Bucks, which is my team because I grew up in Wisconsin, and watch the Bucks play the Brooklyn Nets. And Kyrie and KD played in the game. We're like, hey, at least we got to see them in uniform mm. once, mm. Uh, which was a rare rare thing. Uh, the the Kyrie thing everyone saw coming. Maybe not the destination. Uh, uh, you know, I think some people thought they really would pull that off with the Lakers. The KD one is surprising that. Um, it came so quickly, there were some discussions on if he would stick around and maybe get to the end of the season, Uh, that it came so quickly and that Phoenix was able to muster up and have enough assets to get him. When you look at what they paid for him, which is a couple of starters and four draft picks, it's basically what the Utah Jazz got in return from Minnesota for Rudy Gobert, who's a fine player but if if i said here's the same amount of package here's the same package to trade would you rather have kevin durant or rudy gobert i don't know that there would be that many people that take rudy god bless him uh so i that it came and it came late last night as the deadline was i mean right up against the deadline um uh, shocked a lot of people to the point that same son of mine called me at two in the morning and said, dad, first off, I'm okay. But did you see what the sun's getting KD? <laughs> so uh, it, it it was a bit of a, 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 a shocker that it came uh, that quickly. And then just, even though they got good players back uh, to some degree, they're not the same caliber players in Brooklyn. And so that is now just a smoldering dumpster fire of a place that, uh, Not more than what two years ago, everybody was like, "This is the group, man. They got the three guys with Harden, and look out, they're going to tear everybody up." And instead, they had to tear it all down.
3: John, I think you've been spoiled for choice on ESPN this week. The the stories in America at the moment are just coming thick and fast from everywhere. But I want to talk about the Super Bowl because legacies are so big in the US. You know, regarding the players' careers, where they rank, you know, in terms of titles Mm -hmm. or. Just just overall rankings, Mahomes is the talking point at the moment, and a lot of people are saying down here that it's almost as simple as Mahomes versus the Eagles. Is is that how you're seeing it? Uh, I think that's the easiest way
0: to couch it. Um, I think there's getting a lot of play here in the country from the other side as well for uh, Jalen Hurts, and that it is the first matchup ever of two African-American quarterbacks, so that's sort of significance, certainly in kind of the climate that the states have been in here over the last two and a half, three years, that that marks something significant. Um, I think it, it, in regard that quarterbacks actually are never on the field against each other, yes, it's easy to cast it like that for Mahomes. Uh, a second Super Bowl certainly puts him in rare company, especially at this young age. Uh, I'm with you in that I think sometimes we obsess a bit too much about legacy in the immediate because I, I think we think of legacy. Legacy is the long term, right? What do we think of Joe Montana? What do we think of Johnny Unitas? What do we think of Bart Starr, Joe Montana? These people, as you get away from them, and yet we try to define these legacies Sunday if he wins after 20 minutes after he won a second one. Mm-hmm. And so we try to to define them in the moment when they're really best judged 20 years from now. And I think that makes it a, a, a really hard case. Uh, but I do think that he is the one guy. I think, if, I, I think if Jalen Hurts plays his best game, don't know that that necessarily means the Eagles win. Other things have to happen. I think if Patrick Mahomes plays his best game, then yes, the Chiefs win. He can, he can do that individually.
1: Pretty Good summary from you and a terrific summary of what's been a busy week in America, John. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to chat to you.
0: Thanks, I appreciate the time. Always good to hear from you. Uh, enjoy. And now, the game occurs on Monday where you guys are, correct? Mm, it's yes, kind of Super
1: Bowl Monday, correct? Monday morning,
0: yes,
3: had yeah. the day off, John.
1: Good on you, John. John Anderson Thanks. from ESPN, there. Fascinating chat. So, the Super Bowl coverage on SEM with Jared Waitley live from Arizona, 9 a.m. Monday morning, straight after. SEN Breakfast with Sammy Edmund. Joining us now is a massive guest, um, Kingy. He's a live golfer, Mark Leishman, and he joins us right now. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Appreciate your
4: time. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Well, how's it been? Because this is, I mean, it's course, carnage to the sport. There's no doubt about that. Looking back in, in hindsight, the decisions that you and a lot of your teammates have made, are you comfortable and are you happy with where the sport is at and, and how it sits? Give us your perspective of that. Yeah, we've
4: yeah we've really enjoyed the switch. Actually, um, you know, like both obviously great products, the PGA Tour and Live. But um, you know, we've we've all enjoyed the transition. Um, you know, the tournaments have been fun, and honestly, it's been overwhelmingly positive from from mm-hmm. everyone I've spoken to. So um, I will say, I did delete Twitter but um that, that was before i signed but uh but no it's been uh it's been really positive
3: well, well
1: take me through that were you just ex- you expecting the barrage and just you know something that you could live without we've seen other athletes from other sports follow suit
4: yeah i mean you know you, if you can avoid having negative in your life i think um it's a, it's a pretty good thing to do and you know, I saw all the guys sign early and uh, there was a bit of negative feedback along with a lot, lot of positive. But, um, yeah, I've, uh, you know, if you don't see it, um, it's, you know, you don't, you don't know it exists. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been good without that. And, um, no, I've, uh, like I said, I've, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, the change so far and really looking forward to uh, getting down to Adelaide in, in April.
3: Mark, don't bring up long term contracts and finance with Cornsey. He, he hates him. He, he's the man you shouldn't be talking to about this sort of stuff. Uh, how you been going? How are you hitting him? Tell us about your golf.
4: Yeah, I've been hitting it all right. Um, played over in the Saudi International last week. Um, finished sixth. So it was a, a good way to start off the year. Nice and positive. And uh, back home for a couple of weeks now, just getting ready for. Um, for the first live event in cancun mexico so we're going to some uh, some pretty cool places around the world
3: How have you adjusted to the three rounds versus four rounds uh, obviously the pga tour has always been the four it's been a traditional sort of uh, standing ground and now that you've got the shift with the live back to three you can't afford to have a bad patch at any point during the three rounds can you
4: yeah, it is, uh, it's a little bit more of a sprint, but I think the, the best player does still come out on top. Uh, you know, If you can play, play a good three rounds, you're still going to win the tournament. Um, the good thing about the format is that even if you do have a bad first round, you, know, you may not be a chance to win the individual title, but you can still help your team, um, which is I've, I've really enjoyed that. It's been, um, been great. So um, on the course, having, having other guys to play for and then off the course, it's been really amazing.
1: We've seen that a little bit from individual sports, like speaking to Leighton Hewitt and how much he loves playing in the Davis Cup because of that team atmosphere. So mm. there's 12 teams. The Aussies have got a team called Ripper GC that's been announced. Cam Smith is going to captain that and you'll be a part of it. So has that been refreshing to not just have to worry about yourself, but be part of a team?
4: Yeah, it has been. Yeah, like I said, um, it's, uh, the on-course stuff is still pretty much the same. You know, you've got other guys wanting you to play well too. But off the course, it's been been really good. You know, everyone's got the same tea time every day. We, you know, you have breakfast together, you have dinner together, um, staying in the same hotel. So it's uh, just a, a lot more camaraderie, and um, it's it's been a, a really a, a breath of fresh air.
1: As much as you know, lives been a sensation. It, is the Masters still the one? Now, you were second leading into the final round only a couple of years ago. Has the chance to win at Augusta past you by? do you think, Mark? Or is that still the number one goal for you in your career?
4: Yeah, I think the Masters and, and the British Open are the, the two for me um, as far as the majors go. Um, I've had my chances at both of them. Um, but, you know, if, if I can... I think I've still got a chance to qualify for the British Open. Uh, the Masters is looking a little more difficult, but, um, you know, I've played 10 or 11 Masters, so i certainly had my chances, and uh, with some young kids at home, it's uh, it's good to be able to spend a little bit more time at home with them, too.
3: The Live Tour, it fascinates me, Mark, and I think it's been terrific to just get people to, to, to shape their opinion, to be one side or the other. Greg Norman is, is the man that is copying the... You say you've deleted your Twitter. I, I hope the shark has as well because <laughs> the feedback for Greg's been enormous. How hands-on is he with the players? How often would you speak with Greg?
4: Yeah, we see Greg a fair bit. Um, he's always around when we're on the range, warming up for, for the tournaments. Um, the cool thing about being on the range is, you know, all the teams that warm up together. So all the Aussies are always there and... He seems to always be uh, attracted to, to having a chat with us. Um, yeah, he has taken a bit of plaque, but at the same time as that, he, he's, um, he's done a really good job uh, recruiting players, and um, I think he's, um, he's, yeah, he's done a, a pretty solid job.
1: Now, tell me about Leishman Lager because I've been told there could be a chance that this beautiful beverage might be available on course what? in Adelaide, April 21 to 23, the first ever Australian tournament at Grange Golf Course. Leishman Lager, give us a plug, and what are the chances of it being on course?
4: Yeah, we're working hard. Um, I've, I've heard there's a, there's a pretty decent chance that it's going uh, to be on course, but not confirmed yet. We're certainly doing everything we can on our end to... Uh, to have it at, at the Grange, and it would be pretty cool for, for the team Ripper to uh, just look over into the crowd and see everyone having a few Leeson lagers.
3: <laughs> you're you're a warnable boy, Lees. You you, you we've we've all followed and, and loved your your golfing career, and, and and you're right. You've been so close in the in the Masters and, and the Open. What golf courses down warnable Way can the average golfer, the, the guy that loves his golf, what what what's off the beaten track a little bit that you can recommend that you that you love?
4: Yeah, I mean, Warnable and Port Ferry are obviously uh two great golf courses. Um, you know, it depends how far down you want to go. I mean Portland is a is a good course. Uh I haven't been too far over into South Australia, but there's some there's some really good ones along the coast there as well. So, but uh, the two that come to mind, obviously, being from Warrnambool, I'd say Warrnambool and, and just another 20 minutes down the road is Port Ferry, which is uh, two great golf courses. They're very different, but both um, both pretty impressive.
1: Well, mate, we appreciate your time. It's going to be a crazy schedule. The tournament's increasing to 14 um, this year, 14 uh, courses this year, um, and it's going to be a busy schedule for you. Can't wait to see you down here in Adelaide, April 21 to 23 at the Magnificent Grange Golf Course, and hopefully the Leishman Lager will be on course for those to consume. (laughs) Good luck for the rest of you, mate. We appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot. Good chatting. Go well, Mark mate. Leishman
1: is part of the new Australian team alongside Cam Smith and Matt Jones. The team's called Ripper GC. So it has gone from an invitational series of eight events in 2022 to 14 tournament league this year, as I said, begins on February the 24th in Mexico. Uh, Mark Leishman, our guest. But uh, there's some serious money, obviously, that's been thrown around, Kingy, but it has got everyone talking about the sport and at times that is a good thing.
3: Yeah, I think there's been a, some concern that, that, that the PGA Tour was under genuine threat by the Live Tour in the last six to eight weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see who can drop back in and play at the Masters and, and the Open and these sorts of events in the Majors and, and still coexist. So there's a lot to thrash out. But so far it looks like the PGA have, have weakened somewhat on their original stance. -hmm. Love to see the lease back there. I mean, fancy. What's he come? He's come fourth in the Masters, 12th in the PGA Championship, 12th in the US Open, and second, tied second in the the British Open. It's close, isn't it?
1: The fair record.